Hello friends, just a quick message to say that this episode of Rebels Review 3 is going to be instead of my usual episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon or this week's episode of Genuine Chits Chat, so I just want to make yourselves aware of that. But if you wanted some bonus content from me and you've already subscribed to YouTube and seen everything that I've got on there, then there is a way for you to get even more content. So obviously you can subscribe to my Patreon, which costs at least £1 a month, or you can donate to my coffee, ko-fi.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. And for a one-off donation, you can get a handful of Afterthoughts episodes, which is what I release on my Patreon feed, or if you don't want to contribute financially at all and you just want some free bonus content, then all you need to do is either rate on Spotify or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Audible, anywhere that you can leave reviews for podcasts. Send a screenshot of that to myself via social media or via email at genuinechitchatoutlook.com and you can ask for a bit of bonus content. So you kind of have a few choices. You can ask for anything I've ever released on Patreon via Afterthoughts, but the two most recent things I've released, which may be interest to yourselves listening, is there's a 40 minute long conversation between nice and my fiance Megan about a recent trip to Somerset. So that's 40 minutes of bonus content and it's especially great if you enjoyed mine and Megan's 200th episode of Genuine Chit Chat so make sure you check that out. If however you'd like some more Star Wars centric content I have started leaving the canon book reviews for Thrawn on my Patreon feed as well. So you can either get the review for Thrawn and Thrawn Alliances which I've done in one go or you can get my review of Thrawn Trees that I have just released. Obviously if you become a subscriber to Patreon you get immediate access to every single one of those immediately plus an extra 170 episodes that you can access at any time or if you donate on coffee then I will give you a couple of extra bonus episodes as well. Just leave in the comment what you would like. But I just want to put that through just to say normal episodes will return next week. And then I think the week after that's probably going to be another episode of Rebels Reviewed in that road to Ahsoka. But friends, thank you so much. And I give you Rebels Reviewed season slash episode three. And here we are for the third edition of Star Wars Rebels Reviewed, the penultimate episode, because there's something coming out a live action series which is going to have a lot of links to this so there's the this kind of in the road to ahsoka line of things i'm, I'm releasing a little bit here and there and so I'm putting it on social media to get ready for the live action series that i am very excited for so we started this with dave and math and we're continuing it i don't know why i said it like that but math has never seen styles rebels before dave has seen it once before and i've seen it twice before so it's a nice mix of individuals and we're here speaking about the third season and this is a season which is very Thrawn-centric, that's kind of the main theme, and then also Maul as well. So two very big characters, and I've never said this in the other ones, but spoilers are going to be ahead. But you should watch Star Wars Rebels, it's amazing. But joining me, we've got Mr. Dave Horrocks. Dave, how are you doing, and how was, in brief, your rewatch of Series 3? Hey there, Mike. Hey there, Math. Well, uh, chaotic is probably how I would describe it because after my series two binge that I did, basically I had to rewatch the the whole season over two days. I thought, right, I'm going to space it out. So literally a couple of days after we'd recorded the last time, I thought, right, I'm going to start a few episodes, started going through it. And then, uh, you know, I'll get into what I think of the season, I guess, in in a bit. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit darker again. And uh, I thought, right, I'm I'm way ahead. And you guys hadn't started watching anything. So I, I didn't slam the brakes on, but I just paused it. And then I came back uh, about a week ago and I, I thought, where am I? Because, because I'd watched the season before, Disney just decided to tell me that I'd watched everything before and didn't actually land me on the episode where I was before. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then I think you said, Mike, oh, weren't you on in the one with Wedge? I was like, right, right, yeah, I'm, I'm about there. And I thought, you know what, this isn't going to be sustainable for me. So 
I, I'm going to create a new profile on Disney Plus that is just for Rebels stuff and this rewatch. So I was like, brilliant, right? I started the the uh, I think it was C- episode seven or eight or something like that, and started that, and then watched that episode, and then went away, did something else, and then came back to it, and then Disney. I don't know how this happened exactly. But I'm just kind of watching it, but I'm not really, I'm not paying 100% attention, but I'm kind of just aware. It's like, oh, Kanan can fucking see again. I don't remember this from season three. I don't remember him getting his sight back. And it dropped me back in like halfway through season one. <laughs> it took me a few episodes to figure it out. It's like, what the fuck's going on here? So, so I, I was back to behind the curve again. So I ended up having to do a massive binge again. <laughs> So I have kind of raced right through it um, again. And, you know, it's weird when I, I think of the the rewatch now. Sometimes with this season, it feels a bit like uh, Quest of the Week. Mm. You know, it's like we've got to go to this planet to collect this thing or we've got to go and meet this person. And it it feels a bit samey. Mm. It tends to happen when you're binging the shit out of something, I guess. But... <laughs> Um, you know, it seemed a, a lot of the same to me, but when I look back, Christ, there's a lot that actually happened as well. So I'm a little bit all over the place. Now, I can't wait to get going on this one and discuss it with you guys. Amazing. I mean, I knew your watch of it was quite chaotic. I didn't realize quite that chaotic. Maf, how was your watching experience and how did you feel about series three as a whole? Uh, I... I didn't binge it quite the same way as David. I I did actually start watching it, and then I was holding off, just trying to do a little bit at a time, because then it was a case of, I don't want to watch it all. And then we get to the point where we record a few weeks down the line, and it's like, I can't remember any of it. I actually held off watching the last two episodes until Saturday night, I think it was, Um, because I thought, I want to keep them fresh. I remember watching the last two episodes before, uh, for the previous season and then we came to do a podcast and I'm like I was just getting it all mixed up because I couldn't remember the order of it all but going through my notes today I was just saying before um, there is a lot there's so much to this and then I'm, I, I was kind of looking back because I mean a big chunk of it is Thor who is fantastic he, he just he reminds me of a more physical um, uh, attack and, and that very much kind of along the same line he's so confident he's so he's like 10 steps ahead of everybody most of the time not always but most of the time but then you start looking through them there's all these little side quests that they go down and there's a lot more to it that i mean i think you said there were some in the previous one there's some big things that happened this season and you know i mean we've you know we'll get into it but like with what happens with mall and things like that i mean I, I thought when I, I was speaking to you guys, and I've saved the last two episodes until we're kind of ready to record. As it turns out, I had three episodes to do. And then I watched the uh, third to last one, and I was like, <clears throat> and then I kind of mentioned it on Discord, and you're like, yeah, I thought you'd not seen that. It's like, I can't believe this has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, don't, I don't know whether this would spoil it, but this would be a great live action. And that if they kind of, but the, the only issue is because there's four seasons, 
to the track on density, it probably wouldn't work. But I would like to see these in live action. Now, I've written down predictions for, see, for season four. Um, I have been warned there are spoilers out there for something we like go. So I'm trying to avoid as much spoilers as possible. Uh, I did, obviously, as Disney kicks on to the next episode at end of season three, I do know that they're back onto Bandola. Um, but then I've stopped it. I've tried not to look at anything else because I want to keep it as fresh as possible because normally I don't like spoilers, but with this, I don't want to know what's happening. I have theories, and I know that I kept getting told, don't worry, everything will be explained and all this and other. But knowing Star Wars, there's certain things I think are going to happen in season four. And I feel a bit worried because I it's only 15 episodes, and I think this is done really well. 22 episodes, it paced. I, I don't think the pacing was bad. I think it kind of broke off at times to do these little side quests, but the story just seemed to flow. Mm-hmm. And you realize that season three is over and done so quickly. I'm worried for season four in a way because it is only 15 episodes. And I think there's a lot for them to kind of do in them 15 episodes. But um, to be honest, once we've finished here, there is a good possibility I've got a little bit of work to do. I may start season four tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when it finishes on Saturday night, I'll like, should I? Should I? Start? No, I won't because if I start it, when we start talking about that, I might get start going into season four as well. And I don't want to do all that. 100%. But, yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. one of the, it's one of those mate. You've um I'm so I'm so happy that you've been enjoying it. But it's one of those things. That I sound like a dick saying this, but every time someone watches Star Wars Rebels, they always enjoy it. And it's one of those things. Where I'm like, when I say to people, I know it's animation. I know in series one, there's a couple of episodes that aren't quite as strong. But when you get into it and you get into stride, it's just got some phenomenal moments in there. And yeah, not every episode in this is a hit, but I think the quality of all the episodes, even the ones that aren't as. Uh, moving of the greater plot and things they're still like really good episodes i think that and you won't be able to speak to this math but like in clone wars especially in the first season or two there's a couple of episodes and they are so fillery and it just it drags so you saying math that you like 22 episodes say that again when we're in clone wars because for me i think for 20 minute episodes i think 15 16 episodes is quite i think 16 is probably a real perfect amount um and i think when we watch series four every single episode is just hit after hit and it's just there's no wasted space and it really gets moving with series three so there are 22 episodes in clone wars there's 22 episodes from seasons two to five so there's hundreds of episodes uh, and sometimes that becomes a bit much but i think with this series i think that there's the whole mall storyline which sounds like something which would be its own season focus itself but you've also got Thrawn as well at the same time. So you've got these two mammoth characters, one new for the canon and one like legendarily old for the canon, going through and being nuisances in different ways. You know, Maul is more focused on Ezra and the Force and the dark side, whereas Thrawn is more focused on the Rebellion and the Empire and defeating the Rebels in battle. So two very conflicting uh antagonists really so i'll go to you first uh math i want to ask and we will uh delve into sort of the start and the, the end of the episode things like that but we'll kind of there's quite a few major things i want to tackle in the time we have so maul now i've spoken about maul quite a bit um and some of his favorite some of my favorite stuff is in this season obviously 
Twilight of the Apprentice was quite Maul centric. What did you think of him? We'll go all the way up to Twin Sun. So this is Maul as a whole character. There he is up there. Um, I what um, Maul? What do you think of him in this season? Um, I think I, I think it's I know more from the movies um, and briefly in um, End of Solo where he's got mm-hmm. robot legs. Yep. Then obviously I know that it's been mentioned that he's in um, in Clone Wars a fair bit there. But in this, it's, it's great. And the one thing I've heard from the animated side that I've always heard from someone especially Maul, um, I'm going to get his name wrong, but I'll, I'll just I'll be... Are you going to say his brother? No, uh, the actual who voices... Oh, Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer. Uh, I just... That bit right in Twinsons where it's like, I don't know, man! Hmm. It would just... I don't know. You, you feel that he is more. You feel so much that he has taken on that. Aspect, you know, it would just. And what happens to more at the end? It just. It was such a gut punch. Of I did not expect that. But as you know, I like the fact that he was on that peripheral of Ezra. He was always kind of there. It was like ghost that was haunting him, and. He knew Ezra had something and he had to use Ezra to get what he wanted. And he he didn't care about anything else. He just wanted that one thing. And I like the fact that they they brought him in and then took him out and then brought him in and took him out. So he was throughout the entire season, but it wasn't, this is Maul. This is, you know, this is the big bad guy. That would have overshadowed, overshadowed Thorn. And I think Thrawn was fantastic, but I did like the way that they dealt with things with him in there. And like when he turns up, um, we'll mention probably like with with Bendu and that, which was fantastic. As soon as I heard him speak, I was like, I have to just double check, but I'm pretty sure I know that voice. but like when he meets Kanan and he's like, he doesn't really care. He just wants what he's after. He doesn't care about anything else. He's not there to fight. Um, that, that That is an issue later on. But as far as I'm aware that, you know, it's been said before, he's like one of the best swordsmen. Uh, Kenobi isn't really one of the best swordsmen. But he's yeah, one, he's, he's the best defensive lightsaber fighter in the order not in phantom menace by the time of revenge of the sith he's the best defensive which i suppose in which case that kind of explains what happens happens i mean that the, there's a meme out there where it's maul and vader talking to each other and it's like you know i'm unbeatable except this one guy <laughs> you know don't jump over him kind of thing <laughs> um it it did feel a little bit over too quickly Mm-hmm. And that, but there again, a big long, uh, a big long fight. I think more would have taken Kenobi, to be honest. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I, watching how he fought in season two, mm-hmm. when he fought the, um, he took on to the um, Inquisitors, Inquisitors, quite easily. Mm. Um, I, I, I feel maybe again. I know Kenobi from the films. Um, and that, and also from the show, but it, it, it never has really come across as a great swordsman. Whereas seeing Maul, Maul has always looked a better fighter, in my opinion. Maul is one of the best 
lightsaber duelist there is. Um, but I mean, in the first one, he is amazing at fighting. And then, you know, Kenobi in the second film, he gets beaten by Dooku, whose speciality is two people at once. Um, but Dooku is also arguably, apart from Mace Windu, probably, I know I keep saying a lot of people are the best duelists, but Dooku and Mace Windu are considered the best lightsaber duelists, like, almost ever. And then Maul is meant to be an, an incredible fighter as well, but he's very good at the dark side. So if he fights another dark side user, he's generally quite good at that. But Dave, your thoughts on Maul? Um, obviously, you've seen him before, and obviously you've seen Clone Wars, so you've got some added weight to seeing him in this time. How did you think of Maul in Series 3? Yeah, I think across the board... I, I'm not sure I love the voice acting for Maul. Mm. I, I think, and I can't separate him from the movies. Like he says hardly anything in the movies, does he? Mm. Uh, you know, he's and he's very stoic. You know, you've got as uh, Ray Park who's who's playing him, and I, I kind of feel like less is more with him. But he has this Shakespearean royal pronunciation, doesn't he? Which I I, I don't love. But yeah, I, I think he plays a bit of a side character in this one. I, I do love him as a character, and I, I do think it was a massive mistake to uh, to ditch him off in that one movie, which obviously they recognise later. And then when when we see him fight, I just always want Jewel of the Fates to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, he kind of he played an okay role. I, I felt like with Ezra, there was that weird dynamic where he's searching for a, an apprentice you know and it, it's almost like the the emperor taking a shine to luke skywalker it just never i could never square that circle really i could never figure it out it's like why are you so interested in this one person when there's all these other people that you could potentially uh take as your apprentice but mm. i mean he served a purpose for the story but i don't think he was central like some of the episodes in clone wars he's really central to certain episodes isn't he whereas i think he was just he was almost like a plot device in this season uh, you know to drive ezra's story forward mm-hmm yeah, that's an interesting uh, perspective. I think that he is he is that. I think he targets Ezra because Ezra doesn't know much about the dark side. He's easy to manipulate. And as kind of Math said, I think um, Maul is now just going for Kenobi. Like when you see him sort of in Clone Wars, that's around the time of maybe his height. We haven't seen him much around Solo, um, but there's indication that's also maybe the height of his actual underground power during Solo. So at this point in rebels we don't know to clarify math what happened to him um from solo to here there's no content to explicitly confirm there's rumors stuff's gonna pop up at some point but at the moment we don't know what's happened at all since uh solo to here so we don't know why he's on malachor and when he gets found at the end of series two and i think the idea is that he's basically become so frail and gaunt and weak that when he fights kenobi he's like you don't know how long he's been in that desert like it's it's not it's, you see him on screen in there for a few minutes, but I think the indication is he's so desperately trying to find Kenobi and he's walking through the desert for days, if not weeks, and then he calls out to Ezra as like one final desperate thing to be like, I can't even find him on this stupid planet. I knew he's around here somewhere. And then that call to Ezra drew out Kenobi. Uh, that's how I perceive it. So I think that he's just basically been driven mad. He had all this power previously in things, but he's just been driven mad by the obsession of Kenobi. And that has essentially brought his downfall. And I love, like, when he fights Kenobi, one of the things that I agree, it feels like it's over too quickly. Even watching it this time, I was like, God damn. Even when I knew it was coming, I was like, that is seconds. And when I first saw it, it did jar me quite a lot. And I didn't know how to feel about it. But 
Maul tries to use the same technique on Obi-Wan as he does on Qui-Gon Jinn. So it's, it's a one-two, then a hit in the face with the hilt of the lightsaber. That's how he hits Qui-Gon, in, and then he stabs him through the stomach. So he tries to do that with Kenobi, and Kenobi obviously has replayed that part in his mind over and over again. So the second Maul goes to do it, it's just down straight away, like no messing around. Like Obi-Wan... When you see Obi-Wan fight in other times, there might be a reason to a degree where he doesn't want to kill someone. He doesn't want to kill Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, and he doesn't. Um, Grievous is slightly different, but he's still, you know, he it's the life or death killing blow. Dooku, he doesn't. Like, when he fights people, Kenobi doesn't go for the kill as much. But as soon as he found out that Maul had realized that Luke is there, and Kenobi actually believes that Luke is the chosen one, the one who's going to bring balance to the Force. He That's what he believes personally, even though Lucas has confirmed it's meant to be Anakin. But that idea that he's so focused, he won't even entertain the idea of letting Maul escape or anything. He's just got to cut him down straight away. And I think that really shows how Obi-Wan has evolved as a character. And I think, although it was made before the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, I think it builds off what we saw his power level was in that to a degree and kind of what he could be capable of. Even though, obviously, in A New Hope, he's very slow and patient, I think it's kind of that weave into that, the slow and deliberate movements. Um, but Thrawn, Dave, what do you think of Thrawn? And anything yeah, else to more, if there's anything else to add, by the way? Well, I, I think I'd just say on Maul. I mean, that, that all makes sense, what you say, but mm. for a cartoon, there's a lot left to, you know, the viewer to dissect and interpret, oh, yeah. isn't there? I mean, you, for normally, things are explicitly explains here mm-hmm. um and if that is the case where he's just almost dead on his feet um great spot by the way you know it's the same move and imagining i, I imagine there will be a comic about this about <laughs> you know you could see kenobi almost replaying over and over and have those panels replayed over and over you know qui-gon why didn't you just do this mm-hmm. you know that that would be awesome but um, yeah, I, again, I'd forgotten it was quite so quick as well, and I, and I felt like, again, not to not to be that snob, but you know, but when you've seen his progression through Clone Wars, and you you've been with him on that journey, and then he just gets off like that, you're like, yep. that that's not right. It, it didn't seem fitting. Um, but I I can go for the. Uh, maybe I'd like to see this expanded maybe mm-hmm. uh, at some point, but but let's see. I would have but preferred it you... to be a long battle. I would have preferred it to be like at least 10 lightsaber exchanges. And yeah. then he says, then he goes to do it and there's a bit more of an obvious movement. And then Obi-Wan yeah. does it. Or like a, a flashback mm. to the, you know, an animated Qui-Gon Jinn getting killed, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he just sees it in his mind's eye and then he sort of reacts to it. I I, I feel like that could have been better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But, um, I, I think it's cool, but yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I yeah, disagree. because the thing is, something like that I didn't notice that, but real Star Wars, you know, fans do notice that. So that's like an Easter egg for you to kind of go, "Hang on a minute, I recognise that." So I think, yes, a bit more of an exchange between them both would have been better instead of just boom, and then it's done with. Mm-hmm. And that, so you you could have seen maybe that defense versus attack kind of play out, but then all of a sudden he goes to do the move. Kenobi kind of sees it coming, and then he, he does what he does. I think that would have worked better, and then just leave it at that. And then people like yourself, Mike, would go, "I recognise that. Hang on a minute, let me just 
Whereas I myself think, well, that you know, that was quite an impressive move that he did there. I think that would have been better instead of kind of doing a flashback to show you because it's about to happen. And, you know, in a way, you would already see the move before he does the move, in mm. a way. Yeah, I know. What you mm. mean. It's interesting. But if we go on to Dave, sorry. So, yeah, no, I, I can see it. I mean, it's personal preference at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. We're not the creators. So, uh, you know, ultimately we'll, we'll bow to their, their creative choices. But uh, Thrawn, I forgot how much of a badass he was, <laughs> you know, and he, I, I, I really need to go and read those books because he is so intimidating. And I think it, it's because he is the smartest guy in the room. I mean, you've got Callus there, who I like, but as soon as Thrawn is sort of reintroduced to everything, you just get the feeling there's there's this net and everything is tactical and there are no losses. Like Even the losses teach him something tactical that get him one step further towards his goal. And I think he's an amazing character. And and honestly, I can't wait if he does pop up in live action. I just hope they do him justice because he really is a a, a really intimidating character. I mean, he is up there with like Tarkin and Vader and the Emperor, isn't he? I, I think he really is on that tier of baddies in the Empire. And uh, yeah, I, I'd honestly forgotten how good he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the voice acting works so well for him as well. And um, I will say that there's a few bits about uh, Thrawn as well, where you, you have at the start of this, you know, Governor Price wanting Thrawn and things and you know, to help her out with stuff. That's explored in the books to a degree. But Thrawn's real name is, or full name, is actually uh, Mithrawn Yorodo. Uh, so that's his his core name is Thrawn, but it's Mithrawn Yorodo. And it's in the book, especially the audiobooks I listen to, there's parts where Thrawn talks to the Emperor and the Emperor calls him that full Mithrawn Yorodo part, um, which I absolutely love. And his ascent into the Grand Admiral is, once again, in the Thrawn books. So my chair is very slowly falling down. I don't know if anyone video has noticed. Um, but yeah, I th- I, there's, there's also, for people listening, there are nine Thrawn books in total. So it's the three Legends ones, Heir to the Empire. They're behind me, in fact. Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. That's Timothy Zahn. That's one of the first ever Piece of Legends content after, I think, Splinter of the Mind's Eye and some of the Star Wars comics. So that's where he was birthed. And then there's a few more books surrounding him as well in Legends. And then in canon, he was introduced in uh, Star Wars Rebels. And then there's the three Thrawn canon novels, which are on this side, this side of me here, um, which people would only be able to see if they zoom in quite a lot. Um, but they're all about his ascent in the Empire and what he was doing at certain points and the third one's linking him with Rogue One quite a bit, which is quite cool. And then there's three more, which is the Ascendancy Trilogy, which is a, which are three prequels which are set before those books, before he was involved with the Empire and things like that. So lots of Thrawn content. And I've read all the Thrawn canon novels. I'm, I finished the Heirs of the Empire. Uh, I'm on to Dark Force Rising. And so I've... Uh, got a little way to go with Mithrawn Yorodo but Maff what did you think of this new antagonist how did you kind of perceive him in this um I, I thought he was he was just what we needed he's like that chess player who you think you win in against him because he sacrifices certain little things and you think oh, I'll get the upper hand and he is so many steps ahead of everybody and that and he he's so 
cool and calculated in what he's doing. Um, we see it several times. It's very much like, if you do as I tell you, we will do as we will win this. And he's so cocksure of everything, which is quite amusing near the back end. He, it's not his fault what happens, because there's no way he would have known what was going to happen in the final couple of episodes. There's no way he would have been able to kind of predict that, to be fair. But throughout the season, you realise how how much... It, it was like when we, when we had we had Vader and we all thought, Ooh, oh, this is serious now. Ezra's in, in real trouble. And if a Ahsoka had turned up, that would have been it. Having thrown there throughout the season, you it was again that threat you, that realised the fact that, you know, this guy is 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 the business. This guy, and like we said, Tarkin, um, he's just a normal guy who would just excelled in so many things to the point where even Vader had respect for him. Um, Thrawn kind of had that and then we do have an episode where Thrawn takes out the robots so then you see it's not just the mind that's that's strong his body is really strong he, he can take care of himself he's got to this point because you know he. Uh, I think you said in the books because I did listen to the podcast and I was a bit oh should I not and then you did mention don't worry about if you're listening it won't spoil anything I thought right that's fine I keep going <laughs> He he kind of had to work harder, and I think it comes out in this the fact that he's obviously worked so hard to get to this position, and that and as again, I mean, unfortunately, the reason why some of the things go wrong is not down to him. It's because people, you know, people think they know better, and then he proves the fact that they don't. But having that constant threat throughout this season. And that, and going into season four as well, has been fantastic because you, the stakes are high. This is again, I I said it in the previous season. Um, although this is a kids' cartoon to a certain degree, it it doesn't the story doesn't feel like that. You know, we see we see losses. We see it's not all. Yay, we're the rebels. We're going to go do this. We're going to go blow up the Death Star. We're going to do these things. It's not. There is so much loss. And if anything, the rebels are losing more and more and more. And they're still just trying to start up. And every time it, it's like that, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. Because, you know, we've got some starfighters. Excellent. We've lost them all. We've got this. Excellent. No, they've taken it again. And it's a constant underdog. So that's why we're rooting for him. But, you know, having thrown throughout there, he, he was the guy that you, you did feel that. Um, I don't know what the, the guy, the the fellow who ignores what Thorn says when he gets told to hold back and put oh, a book Constantine. Out. What an arse he is. <laughs> he, he thought he knew better and he's very much kind of, oh, I'm going to get killed. I'm and it showed how naive it was. Mm-hmm. And again, Thorne had already thought of this. You know, we knew because they'd already said, look, if the rebels said, if we do this, we can kind of sneak around the back. We're going to do. Thorne had already thought of that. He'd already thought of these different things that would, would happen. So let's, you know, have several backups. And even if it didn't come to play, you know, it, it's good that he'd already thought that out. And he just... 
he's what we wanted and obviously he's going to be the Silka. Now, the Silka is going to be set after Rebels, I believe, isn't it? Yeah. The, the TV. So, so again, I know that Thrawn isn't going to get defeated in season four, but to know that he's going to be there fighting them through is exciting because it's that way. And, and to be fair, I think this brings Hera out a lot more of showing how how capable she really is. I think, again, we said in season two the fact that certain characters seem to get a bit of a, a back in that one. Um, again, I feel that Zeb was a bit of a kind of a side character throughout the season. Um, Hera really stepped up. Uh, Sabine did as well, but I think that's because of Thorn. Mm-hmm. Because he he challenged them. He challenged them more than anyone else has done. Yeah, I agree. It's it's um he's definitely uh, he's a very, very good antagonist and hats off to Timothy Zahn. But there's there's loads of elements of this series um to get into. I'm gonna throw some words out, but I'll hide I'll kind of hone in on one of them. But we've obviously got the Rogue One connections of Saw Gerrera and the Geonosian genocide. We've got that Clone Wars throwback episode, which uh, wouldn't have probably struck the same chord with math, but I imagine that Dave recognised. We've got Mon Mothma appearing. We've got Wedge, like how he got into the Rebellion. We've got more Hondo. We've got the Bendu. You know, we've got so much, as well as the Ryloth episodes, as you touched upon, math with Hera and her dad, Cham Syndulla, and he's in the Clone Wars. He's in season one. So he's really... so. All these connections to the Clone Wars without it being a necessity to consume that content. So, Dave, of the ones I just threw out, some of the, the names and the subjects and things, what has stood out to you, aside from Thrawn and Maul, unless there's anything else you want to add about uh, Thrawn, but what are your kind of thoughts on this series for the some of the other things that have been going on that may not be considered the main uh, part of the story with Thrawn and Maul, but other elements? So, I think this season is quite lumpy. Hmm. And I don't know if that's partially a recency bias because the the last two episodes of season two are just off the charts aren't they yep. uh, and and uh, it makes you forget all the quieter episodes earlier on in that season mm-hmm. so I, I do think there was quite a lot of filler with a, a load of you know uh, there were a load of sixes with a load of nines mm-hmm. you know and nothing much in between but it's funny, I was looking through uh, some of the scoring and, and the ones that you think, you know, especially the nostalgia-heavy episodes tend to get higher scores. Oh, like Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and it's the Twin Sons, it's Tatooine, you know, and that scores the highest. But honestly, I bloody love AP5. I think <laughs> he is possibly my favorite character in all of this. I do love Zeb. I love Chopper and everything, but he's just such a miserable, sarcastic bastard. I think he is me in robot form. And I think the, the line and the, the delivery of the season is where Zeb is stressing out. And he's like, come on, Zeb, think, think. AP five's like, Hmm, this could take a while. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like it's brilliant, and um, you know when he thinks when he knows that there is something wrong with Chopper, he's behaving out of character. He he didn't notice it at first, but he was plugged into the mainframe when he he started behaving weirdly, and no one will listen to him. And he doesn't particularly get um, 
angry or agitated. He just gets flabbergasted. And, and so it just fits with his persona as well. as like, oh, no one listens to me. I just think he's brilliant. I'd love to see him in live action, but I think he's probably just a bit too close to C-3PO, but I don't think... I, I think the wit, he's much closer to uh, Marvin, the paranoid android, isn't mm-hmm. he, than, uh, than C-3PO is. But honestly, for me, it gets rated at 6.9, that episode, Double Agent Droid. And I think it is because it's just like a side um, episode. It doesn't really drive the overall plot forward. But that, that was my favorite episode. And that, like I say, I just love AP5 more and more. Well, I think at the end of the episode, it's got one of my favorite moments in all of Rebels, and it's when he gets shot out of the cannon, and he's he's in space, and he's by himself, and he's like, I'm finally at peace. Everything is perfect. I've got no stresses in the world, and then all those like space butterfly jellyfish go around him, and he starts singing, and he's in just absolute bliss for a few seconds, and then the ghost comes along, and he's like, no, (laughs) leave me here. It's like the light. Don't look into the light, no. That, that bit <laughs> they, is such a think, good moment. They think they're saving him, and yeah. he's not. He's like, you bastards. Yeah, I just want to be out here, comfortable. <laughs> I, I I, absolutely love AP5, and that moment, I, I couldn't remember if it was in this series or in the next series, but I absolutely adored him. So, Matt, anything on AP5, and then one of the, kind of the smaller characters or anything that kind of stood out to you? Uh, AP5 is brilliant. It's just... It, it... I mean, whatever they've said, I kind of echo it. it it's mm-hmm. just... It's that sarcastic wit which uh, again I think I kind of I probably channel it a lot of AP5 at times uh, it really annoys a panda and that but it, it it's that kind of like you said when he's like oh you've got to think that's going to take a while it, and even when it's like when, when Chopper goes up and does his own thing it's like I saved the day I you know he got the the kills because Chopper off doing his own little thing I, I just thought is again that bit of injection that you need now and again just to kind of break things up which it, again it, like we've said it's 22 episodes but it, it it seems to just kind of break it up with them little side quests in between I think season one there was a couple of episodes where there side quests and I just kind of thought mm, it, 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 it kind of felt disjointed whereas this it gave you time to breathe in between. And then you'd have like another kind of episode where it's like full on. And then you've got a chance to kind of breathe in between. Um, and what were your standouts for them? Uh, I mean, I, I, I love Bendu and that. Um, even hearing Tom Baker's voice, um, at first I kind of thought, oh, I recognise that voice. I checked it and I thought, yeah. And I thought, now is this, am I just going to think Doctor Who every time I hear this now? But I don't, it kind of, it disappears and it, it, it works because of the character that he is, all, all knowing, all powerful kind of character. It, it, it suited him so well. Um, and I like the fact that he he's a force. I mean, I don't know what type of force creature he is, which, you know, maybe you'll know. No, no. no he's just a force We found something. We found something he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you know, I mean, we're going to jump around again. It, that final bit where Thorne's like, you know, I'm going to kill you kind of thing. And he's like, you can't do that. And then he just disappears back into the force. It's that force entity, you know. But even in that episode of, you know, the final episode, I won't go into too much, but when he kept going, Kane and Janet, 
Jedi Knight and he's shouting him down and he look, he lightning strikes him and it's like he's meant to be your friend. It's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and but, off that so that was I'm, scary that wasn't it when yeah, he was when doing he's a that. Storm. Yeah. I knew he was gonna turn something big and do something massive, but I didn't quite expect, you know. I mean it, 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 poor choice, but it, it's like that um Green Lantern, when the you get the, uh, the the yellow fog monster that kind of comes down, it kind of made me think that, but a lot better. Um, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. He, he just, you know, the fact that he kind of did come and it was because he got called out. Kenan did so well calling him out. He said, Look, you're a coward. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go fight for my friend. I'm going to go fight for what's right. You can say and be a coward. But yeah. I, I just loved it. And the fact that, again, it was just several times throughout the season we got him and it just seemed to break up really well. I really enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. He is great. I, I love the Bender. He's one of my favourites um, from Rebels. Um, I'd love to see him again, but I think he's just kind of a, a weird and wonderful one-off character. Or maybe he'll appear in Star Wars like years in the future when everyone's forgotten about him. Um, but one of the things that kind of stood out to me was, I mean, there is the Mandalorian stuff, definitely. Um, but then there's the two other parts. There's Mon Mothma and then there's um, Geonosis. And then there's also obviously Callus as well. But with Geonosis, I want to touch upon that. Whenever I see Saw Gerrera and stuff, I don't know why. I don't even like, I didn't think I liked him that much as a character. But I'm always happy when I see him. So he's in Clone Wars, unsurprisingly, Math. Um, he's in Jedi Fallen Order. He's in um, a lot. He's in a couple of uh, books. He's obviously in Rebels. Um, he's in Rogue One. Obviously, that's where his debut was. He's in Andor. Like he's in so many places. And whenever he shows up in the Rebellion, you get to see like a different part of him in his life and where he is in his extreme views. And I, I absolutely love that element. I, I really, really like the 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 connections of Rogue One that we get, and also the Geonosis stuff. Obviously, in Attack of the Clones, the the planet Genosis is quite central. And then there's one or two episodes about it in the Clone Wars, and then it's just kind of left. And then coming back to it here, and it's literally the storyline is the Empire has committed genocide, and no one knows how or why, or even if it's really a rumor or not. And then they go down there and find this one lonely Genosian trying to reserve their extinct kind. And it's like, oh my god, this is like such a a weighted episode. But yeah, again, it's in kind of a, a kid's show to a degree. So, um, Dave, as someone who's obviously got experience with Genosis in the Clone Wars, what did you kind of think of... Uh, obviously, I know you like Rogue One as well, so what do you think of the amalgamation of those two a little bit? Yeah, I, I don't know if I like Saul Guerrero or not. I like mm. the fact that whatever you see him in, he's consistent. Yeah. Even though, you, you know, he sort of turns more machine than man after a while doesn't he but um you know his views are consistent he feels like a real person Mm -hmm. and i think uh, uh, you mentioned it about it being a kid's show i mean it's fucking bonkers isn't it i mean you've got like genocide being discussed on a kid's show on a disney well i guess it wasn't disney at the time but rebels was always disney Oh, was it? Just, oh, it was, just, sorry, it was, it was Clone Wars, Disney. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. aired on Disney XD just as it was coming out, sort of around yeah. the time of the acquisition. And it's just bonkers to even throw out that word. Because, you know, you would think that there would be kids potentially saying, Mom, what's genocide? <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> you know, um, it's a bit of a heavy one, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I... I, I 
I appreciate again that it kind of grounds you in the Star Wars universe. And again, I, I like I, I've spoken about this before, but you know, you you read a particular branch of Marvel comics or DC comics or whatever, and and it can be a complete Elseworlds type story and and mean nothing and be completely throwaway. I like the fact that Star Wars is is all connected, and it apart from the legend stuff you know which didn't make sense within itself you know it does make sense so yeah i i do like and it, it was forrest whitaker wasn't it it mm-hmm. did sound like him he, yeah. he voices all iterations of saw Gerrera apart from in clone wars so in the clone wars mm. era of uh saw Gerrera, and he appears elsewhere in, in that similar era but yeah there's two points there but then all the other ones are forrest whitaker and you must think he, he must have some kind of emotional connection to that character because you you don't do that just for a paycheck do you 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 always with these projects you always have to make time you know if you're going to be he he does it for the video game as well and obviously obviously an andor would be expected but as you say he's he's doing all the voiceover work which most actors but especially ones who've appeared in live action most don't yes beneath them isn't it so no it is it is good it is good i i kind of I almost feel like you need something central to him. Hmm. You know, you, you want to see... He, he's always peripheral to someone else's story, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And like I say, he is always consistent. But I, I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of like to see him explored a little bit more, I think. I wonder if we're going to get that in Andor. Because where Andor is going to be mm. four main kind of event things you know batches of three i suspect right. it was going to be one's going to really be about saul guerrera you know one's going to be about k2so uh slash uh, my my uh uh prediction is b2 emo is k2so mixed with how they did it in the comics which was okay um right, right. but so I, I my guess is going to be saul guerrera is what is one kind of focal point in his extreme views and how he kind of separates from mon mothma maybe they team up in some way uh one really central about mon mothma and her really turning it's probably going to link him with the episode in this which is a secret cargo which is when she publicly denounces the emperor and it's spread mm. across the whole of the galaxy and as math when we watched the uh, andor show you mentioned um recognizing a name or something it is the gorman massacre the gorman, so, yeah I've so that down here. nice so because in andor series one she mentions the gormans are being sort of starved and they're starting to be crushed under the weight of the empire and neglect and all these other things and they're being kind of silenced for uh, opposing certain elements so that's mentioned in andor and this is about two or maybe three two three years um i think it's closer to two from that point so we're probably my prediction with andor and i think they said that each collection is going to have a, a time jump of approximately a year so i suspect in the second batch of andor episodes um, probably episodes four to six i would not be surprised if they focus on my mothman and have a bit in here wh- which is linking directly with this uh, that's what i think but math rogue one saw guerrera Mon Mothma and Andor all culminating together. You see, it was all here in Rebels first. <laughs> all here it, it, first. It was good. I mean, again, like Dave said, Forrest Whitaker being the voice in it. I, I, I did double check because I thought it kind of sounds like him, but not quite. But there again, I suppose this is a younger version because he's got all his body. Um, whereas in Andor, he's missing limbs, I think. Because it, it, it looks like he's got he looked a bit daft in in andor I well think. you're thinking of rogue one so in andor, oh, Sa- in oh, andor yes. he's, yeah. he's before then it's this and then i, I will rogue say one. you may you may see him again 
And um, so with that, there's another step between here and Rogue right. One, as well, well as what we see in Andor. I think, I mean, Click Clack is the uh, little Geonosian. Geonosian, uh, who, yeah. Which is who's got, who ends up with the egg. Um, now, I may be getting this. Did the droids go down there and wipe them out? Is that what happened, the Geonosian? Not there are scenes it's in the clone wars you see there are there is fighting in there it's there's like a whole parasite horror arc um in the clone wars but i i don't think it was that because in the episode they find those canisters that are like gas i think gas or bombs yeah uh, canisters so i think it was more of a bombardment from space um but there there are a couple of scenes in clone wars where there are droids that do go down there and shoot and things which i did i did do a little drawing the the logo was like a circle with a little circle in the middle of it, which looked a little bit like a Death Star. Well, that's, I think, is, what it's meant to indicate. Yeah. I think um, he's, he's trying to say it's the Death Star, and they think, oh, he's talking about the egg, when obviously they have no idea what the Death Star is at that point. No, no. But so good, it, good catch. Again, I think it could be in the com- a comic. Did, um, did Vader go there to get a, like a big machine, a cloning machine? Or is that someone else? And or the Genesis. yeah, and the Genesis Queen was re. I may have dreamt this. This I'll, I'll take a look. Too. To be honest, you might have listened to a comic that I can't remember. Possibly, um, it, you've listened I'm, to my the episodes more, much more recently than I've actually recorded them. I, I'm sure they. I'm sure there's something where, like the Genesis Queen, had managed to kind of basically like like in um, in Aliens, where the Queen's got the giant egg sack on her. She's yeah. kind of done that with the cloning machine, mm. um, or maybe the droid machine. I can't remember which it was. Uh, and then she was trying to reproduce her her people again. Um, I, I'm sure it was Vader that goes down there. Or it, it could have been Doctor Aphra, maybe. Um, it it does. Geno's since they do. There is something in comics. I'm thinking. Oh, it's the Darth Vader annual number two. Oh, I think right. it might be what you're thinking of, which actually uh, is something I tackled on one of my podcasts. Cause I'm just having a little look on Star Wars Rebels and uh, on um, Wikipedia and things. And yeah, Darth Vader annual number two, that's one where he goes down there. And I think you're dead right there where, yeah, he, the massive battle station being built on Geonosis, the opportunity arises where the project is hindered by sabotage from unknown forces. So the Emperor wants to go and mm. kind of get it uh, turned off and things. So... Yeah, Sorry, he, spoilers. Well, I mean, it's, it's the annual. It was out a while ago, but yeah, he specifically goes to Geonosis yeah. in that comic. So you remember that even before I did. So you know more about Star Wars in that regard than me. So, so I, I do a lot of these these recordings and these notes and notes and notes, but sometimes it doesn't all go in. So great memory there. Um, I'm going to say this is a serious win. That one, I know something more than Mike, and two, Mike also didn't know something as well. So yeah, so you know, <laughs> I, I myself recorded, which shows I don't remember every, everything I say in my podcast is not pure knowledge I can just pluck out of my brain. I, um, I did also like there is when the I think they just have to click clack. Um, they have to go across a big cabin. Yeah, and Kanan boss pushes with um as to get him across the other side mm-hmm. and then they they lift up the like a, a bridge so yeah. that um so Guerrero and rex rex yeah um can get across and then like how's Kanan going to get across and then he just leaps mm-hmm. and and that that was a nice little thing because 
Kane and assists several times. I'm running out of things to teach now because you, you know you, you're getting past the point of what I can teach you anymore. But that also still showed you that Kane is still so far ahead of where Ezra is. Ezra's still learning. He's still trying to get used. And even though Kane has technically not finished his Jedi training, it, it still shows how powerful he is with the Force. When he just he just leaps across. It's like, come on, let's go. And that's so again, it's a little nonsense of like that he he is still, you know, quite he's a lot more powerful than I think what we kind of sometimes realize. He's becoming more of a master figure than a (laughs) Jedi Knight figure, I think. Because when you see, for example, characters like Yoda, um, or even Obi-Wan to a degree, when you see those kind of characters, um, and you see them, they don't necessarily go in the trenches and fight that much they more perform feats of huge force capabilities so i think that's kind of as he's as he's becoming that role uh Mm. i think but before we get on to kanan because i do want to talk about kanan and ezra is there anything either of you want to say about um mon mothma at all or my boy hondo uh because i love hondo onaka whenever he pops up he cracks me up um so Mon Mothma and Hondo. Dave, I know you didn't like Hondo as much last time. On this even more intense binge watch, did you like him more? And also, any thoughts about Mon Mothma, especially with any Andor connections? Hondo's still a dick. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> yep. but I did... He, he kind of... When they had that moment where he, he thinks he's won the... got the treasure or whatever it was, and it it's his mate, his little... Uh, Melchie. Little minion friend there. Well, it's not Melchie. It's, it's Melch, I think, because Melchie is from Andor. Is that Melch right? Right. And uh, I, I liked his his quick kind of thinking. Oh, this is the real treasure. But you know, it's just no. It's not you, lying bastard. You you <laughs> want to get rich. So yeah, I, I still don't like him. I'm afraid. Um, who's the other one you said? Mon Mothma. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just can't. I like the the through line again. That uh, it's funny to watch Rebels, then Andor, then Rebels again because you, for me though those series, these series, they are paired, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much that they did in Andor, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is amazing!" You know, they've never done this before in Star Wars. Well, yeah, they have. You know, it's just. It happened to be animated. So appreciated her, you know, popping up. But I do feel like we got to see more of her as a character, you know, in Andor mm, than we did here. 100%. You know, here again, I think she's just like this side character. She's a, a call back to the movies. So she's playing on those nostalgia strings there. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't really get a lot from her character uh, specifically from this season. Mm-hmm. And Maf, what do you think of Hondo and uh, Mothma? Uh, Hondo, yeah, what, what Dave's kind of said. He, he, such a chance, man. Huh. Um, I can't remember who be um, the guy he's with. As Morgan. As Morgan. He's played yeah. by. Uh, he's voiced by. Is it David Wang? It is. Um, uh, he is the guy from Lopan from Big Trouble in Little China. I've not actually oh, seen that film machine. So distinctive yes. voice. His his voice is so distinctive. Mm-hmm. As soon as he speaks, I, I just think Lopan. <laughs> yes, yes, I yeah. Um, 
again, like you say, he's, he's that chancellor. And it would be nice because you could see that Ezra kind of has now just realised what he is and he kind of accepts the fact that that's just who Orlando's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he's tried to save him. He's tried to kind of do the right thing with him, but unfortunately, he, he's he's never going to be able to do that. Uh, I did. I did like the fact that uh, Simon has, has spoken. I think he'd he'd gone. He's like, "There's more treasure for me," kind of thing. Again, it just it played more on the fact that he, he's just a, a, a greedy git. <laughs> um, I was I always said a rude word there actually, but yeah. He, he, uh, it, it kind of just enforces that more that we all have seen this. We know what it's like. As of now, you start to wake up and realise that you can try and find the good in everybody, but it's just not going to happen all the time, unfortunately. Uh, Mum Moffat, that speech that she did before they found us the secret cargo, it did remind me of Andor when... Um... Luther Rail. No. Um, oh, the, oh, the Luthan's like cousin or whatever. That who's no, like no, so uh, Mothma's cousin. I got. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Uh, when and uh, when the main protagonist of Andor, uh, but Cassian Andor, Cassian. Uh, okay. When when his his mum passed oh, away, yes, and then yes. she leaves the message that kind of comes up to kind of rise everybody up. That's what this kind of felt like. Mm. Um, when my mother kind of did her big speech and it was good to see and to kind of see that spark of where the rebellion's now starting to become something. But because I think, unfortunately, because I see all that, so and all first, I kind of felt this has been a bit spot. If I'd have seen this first, maybe that speech wouldn't have hit quite as hard as what it did in Andor as what it did to me. I remember being on that um, podcast and saying that that really did make me kind of feel that I wanted to rise up. Um, I don't think my mother's speech is as good. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Cassian's mum is a lot better of how she comes across. But to kind of see the birth of the rebellion kind of here, but, you know, I did like it. And again, she, she it, she's very much a side character, the kind of popped her in there to kind of give us that little the rebellion starting here. Um but again it again you've got Thrawn all the time. And Thrawn's well aware of who it is, you know, that she's on the ship and uh it it's like, you know, just take take her, you know, let's let's get her and let's kind of, you know, deal with who, who she is because we know we know what's happening now. We know what the secret character is. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it was good to see that, but I felt, again, it was just a kind of a bit of a side character there. Mm-hmm. That that was yeah. probably one of the episodes that is, although it's, it's important, I don't think it was as important to the season. Yeah, which is fair. There's a few episodes here which they do thread to the bigger rebellion. And I will say that uh, Marva is the uh, is the name of uh, Cassian's mum. And then, yeah, James Hong is the uh, voice actor um, as well, So who, who voiced her as Morgan. So with this, we there's other elements of this uh, season as well, um, which is we've got Callus, and then we've also got the Mandalorian subplots as well. Um, so... Dave, which of those two would you like to start with? Callus or Mandalore? Slash the Darksaber. 
I mean, Mandalore is, again, I couldn't quite remember in my binge-fueled haze uh, <laughs> where Mandalore was. Because... So in my mind, there's almost between Clone Wars and Rebels, mm-hmm. there are just Mandalorian focused episodes thrown in there, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of rhyme or reason. Like you could pluck those episodes and put them earlier in the season, and it wouldn't really make any narrative difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was was interesting to to go back. I wasn't sure, like when. Kanan's sort of training Sabine, you know, with the dark saber and stuff. It, it was all it, the thing with this season. It it veers from being so adult to so like tropey and kiddish. Mm-hmm. And like when he's training Sabine, it's like, oh, you've just got to let her do a thing. Okay, then let's take off the training wheels and stuff. And then you know, she just she's just brilliant with the lightsaber then. Uh, or the dark saber sorry so yeah i did like the fact that it, it's the seeds that were planted here you can see you know probably john favreau or whoever have, uh, have been watching this and they're like you know we should really do a, a live action show you know which is sort of changed it around for star wars really if you think about how how bad a taste the movies left mm-hmm. uh in everyone's mouth so um yeah i i I don't know. I haven't got anything specific to add other than, you know, I did appreciate just that building up of the law, you know, and, and fleshing out what Mandalorian uh, culture is. Cause you get, I can't remember what the chap's name is, but you know, you get, you get this idea that these bounty hunters are, are not just this one thing, you know, that they're, they're not just this one race and like we, they all act the same. You've got all these different factions and, you know, like say Sabine had been cast out as this, uh, traitor and whatever by a family. And then that was all reunited. So yeah, I, I just appreciated the lore, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it is, it is a smidge tropey at points. I do really like the Fen Rao, the gentleman who was one of the protectors who was kind of against them at the start of the season and then mm, they just took him prisoner. Yeah. And they were like, we'll be, we'd be nice to you, but you are still our prisoner. And he just kind of eventually comes around and he's just in an episode here and there. It's, it's a show that, although it aired on Disney+, Plus, it was like pre-streaming and things, it had a lot of threads to other episodes that weren't necessarily integral to the plot but really helped if you'd seen them before. And there was no, like, previously on. And there was, there was none of that. You know, with every episode of The Clone Wars, at the start of every episode, it says, something is going on, and I'm talking in this voice. <laughs> and it, every every single episode, apart from those last four. And so it's like, with this, you, you get rewarded for remembering things earlier on in the season. Obviously, if you're binge-watching it, then it will just kind of bushes together. But I think that the, the training of the Darksaber part, one of the things I found was, I found it quite emotional because... Sabine was letting how out her feelings and emotions because Kanan was going, you're like holding back. And when she's like slamming the lightsaber against him and he's just kind of, you know, somewhat letting her do it, she she was saying about how she created the weapon that killed all her people and all that stuff. And again, like, mm. the I, I felt like her coming to terms with things is... You, they do point out, they go, Sabine, we've spent a lot of time with you, but we don't know much about your past. And they say that quite a lot. And when you think about it by this point, you go, we don't know. And when Megan was watching this with me, she was like... 
it was literally the episode we meet her family. She was like, have we met Sabine's parents or family yet? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh yeah, because it doesn't happen until later on. I was like, no, you, you really know nothing about Sabine for ages. you got her friend of hers, Katsu, um, who's in the previous season a bit more. I can't remember if she was in this season or she might be right at the very start. But like with Katsu, that's just a friend. You don't know about her family. You don't know about her life. And finding out that this... At this point, she's a bit older, but when you see her in sort of early uh, Rebels and a bit before that, she's a teenager. So a teenage girl who's like a science genius, who we see a lot of them in, what I can think of is like the MCU and things like that. Um, I think Black Panther 2, I think is what I'm thinking of. And it's like, you've got this teenage genius, but imagine instead of making like a cool suit, they make the weapons that literally, essentially, again, the G word, commit genocide. And it's just this weight to it. And I found the whole Darksaber stuff really, really interesting. And then you've got the Gar Saxon part. But hearing about Clan Vizsla and the first, the, the great Mandalore Jedi, and the fact that he's part of Clan Vizsla and the Vizsla clan are in, you know, the Ren clan are part of the, the Vizsla family, or in a sense, like under that umbrella in a way. And you've also got the Vizslas are in the Clone Wars, but also the Vizslas are in uh, the Mandalorian. Because that's that uh, Paz Vizsla, I think his name is. He's the big guy with the chain gun in Mando Series 3. And his kid gets snatched up. Like, all these threads are linked. So, Math, what did you think? Like, with your connection to Mandalorian culture, but not knowing about the history that is shown to us in Clone Wars, what did you think about the Darksaber, learning about Mandalorian culture, that animated, well, it was all animated, but the, the shadows on the walls making the history of the Darksaber? Like, what did you think of all that? I wish I'd seen this a couple of years ago before seeing Mandalore. Huh. Mandalorian, because it, it again, I feel like I've been spoiled a little bit for the season, and that plus certain stuff that I've seen in previous, well, in in newer stuff, but well, obviously this round before. I, I like the fact that they showed that the dark saber held weight; it was heavy in the hand, and the fact that yes, it, it, I mean, there's, you know, if, uh, I think it's on American Sniper. There's a um, a bit where the sniper's trying to shoot and that is on the target range and it's it's doing all right, but it, it, it's not perfect. And then he shoots a snake and he's like, it, it's like, boom. And he's like, I'm better when it's breathing. I'm better when it's actually live. Again, Sabine's kind of, she's got these feelings, but she's so held back until the point where, like, come on then, you know, Take the saber, do it properly, and then you see her starting to evolve, starting to become. And she, in a way, she doesn't want this. She doesn't want the saber. She doesn't want the everything that comes with it. But she's prepared to kind of do this for her people. And it, it actually shocked me a little bit when she said, "I'm staying." I kind of thought, "Oh, hang on a minute. No, you can't. You've got to come with us. You know, you're part of the team." And that I thought, obviously, she's going to come back at some point, but it, you could see that weight on her shoulders and that. And, you know, we, we see it in Mandalore where um, we, we, we've got the bit where uh, when Book Dan, she takes a saber and it's just so, so effortless in her hand. Whereas Mandor, he, he, he struggles. He, you know, he, it's like he's trying to carry a sack of potatoes around. You see that with her at the start, and then all of a sudden it starts to flow. You start to see the fact that she can do it. And then she fights Gar Saxon, and she, you know, she uses tricks and that, and that. But 
she's very clever. And again, it, it, it flows and she, it, it was good to see the backstory of her because we've spent so long not with, you know, she's like, she seems like that kind of runaway teenager who's tagging everything, you know, with, with graffiti and not knowing anything about her, but exceptional that she's part of the family. To see this backstory and to see the fact that she's like, I'm going to stay here with my mum and my brother and we're going to actually, you know, take this back. But, and then to get, for her to come back later on, um, I think they did really well. I think, it, again, it's... I should have heard heard what you said a while ago when you said to go watch Rebels because I really should have watched this before seeing The Mandalore because it... it Everything that I've seen, I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. And it's like, yeah, it's been done before. And, that. and the story is, this has all been done before through Star Wars, lots of the stories. But again, I I feel that Rebels tells it so much better and that in, in a lot of different ways. You know, through, you know, you have Anakin and Luke and all these different parts and Rebels are kind of telling that uh, with different characters, but again, I feel this is for a younger audience. It works so well for for myself. I, I you know, as an adult, I I love this. I just want to ask Dave uh, before we kind of uh, lean on to uh, Callus and start to go towards the uh, wrapping up part. Um, what do you think of Sabine as a character, Dave? Because I don't think I've I can't remember what if I've asked you much about her before. Um, I feel like she's. Not really up until this moment, you know, in this season, she's never really been explored, has she? She she's again always been that side character within the team. And I thought uh again as part of Thrawn's closing of the net, you know, and he was recognizing the the markings and stuff and Sabine's like graffiti if you like i I was thinking oh she's gonna inadvertently throw them under the bus here but um i don't know i feel like she could be given a bit more screen time you know to really yeah tell us what 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 her motivations are i know we got the the whole backstory about you know she created this thing and like she's ostracized for it but I don't know. I, I feel like she should be a, a slightly bigger character than what she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's fair. I think in the next series, she she comes a bit more to the forefront. From there's a once again in the next series, without spoiling any things that happen after, there is there are a couple not dissimilar to this. There's a few things going on at once. You know, I'd equate it to in this, we've got Maul and we've got Thrawn and then we've got these little side threads of out of the rebellion as a whole. It's kind of those three uh, parts linking together. It's not dissimilar to Series 4 that there's more to it. Um, I mean, I think, I think it feels like she's been awakening this. Hmm. She's been kind of... It, I feel a bit bad for Zeb because I, I know we had that episode with his, um, his race. Yeah, but that's that only Series it, 2. That was but, it, really. We've not really explored much as ever, whereas Sabine, again, she's just been plodding along from it, and all of a sudden it's like, go, go and do go and do what you have to do. And she's come to the forefront of things now. Um, so it, I, obviously I don't know what happens in season four, and it, I, I believe it's all tied up with a nice little bow 
it's a shame there isn't more seasons where we could have explored the counties a little bit more um, to get to kind of know all the backstory and know a bit more about them. But again, uh, I, I don't know where this is going to go. Um, I, th- I think Dave and I, especially Dave, will have a lot more to say when we're on Series 4 because I know that there's there's so many things that we can't talk about not only of Series 4, the things that come after Series 4, and we really can't talk about anything further. So we're kind of doing this. Even when we bring a point, it's like, okay, well, I can talk about this amount, but I can't talk about this stuff. And if I hint this thing or give an indication of that thing, then this thing will come to light sooner. So there's all kinds of different parts where myself and Dave are having to hold things back. When we get to the next season discussion, there's going to be a, a lot more threads uh, to kind of pull on. Um, but Callus. Now, I'll ask you about him first, Math, because I think you said in Series 1, you may have said something along the lines of you feel like he may turn or you have a feeling yeah. about him or something like that, or you quite liked him. And then obviously in Series 2, we got that part where he was uh, stuck in the ice with Ice Planet with Zeb, and that was kind of his turning point. How did you feel about him being full Fulcrum in this? Did you get it up? When, when you hear his voice when he's the Fulcrum at the first time, did you pick that up? And how did you feel it worked throughout this series or didn't work potentially? Uh, yeah. I think, I think I'd call it. Unfortunately, Star Wars follows certain tropes, so there's certain things you can kind of see and think, "Yeah, this is going to happen. They're going to turn. This is going to." I've written down some things which I think is going to happen in season four. Uh, one of the things I've written down, I don't want it to happen, but I think it will do. Um, but yeah, it, you could tell there was it was going to turn. It, it's like I said to Dave, it's that point. Are we the baddies? It, it's that moment where he realises, hang on a minute, what I've been fighting for all this time is not right. I, I, I think what these guys are doing is better. You know, and yeah, as soon as, you know, Falcon starts talking, it's like, ah, I know what that is. Hmm. Um, and the amusing thing as well is that the point when Thorne is like, oh, we've got a spy now, miss. He already knows who it is. He's already setting things up, although it doesn't say on screen until a couple more episodes. He's already worked out that it, it's cancer. He already knows. That, that's the point where you realise how Thorn is so switched on. Uh, but, it, again, it was fitting. It, it, I knew this was going to happen to a certain degree. I had that gut feeling. Uh, it was interesting when they went to go save him. Like Ezra turns up and he's like, "What are you doing here?" This is here to save you, and that and throughout that point, um, again, I don't think we give Callis enough kind of uh, credit the fact that he's switched on and he sets up the. I, I, I don't didn't write his name down, but he sets up the the other guy that he's working with. He swaps the the pen so tags, yeah. yeah, and he's like, you know. The point when he could have left and he really should have left, mm-hmm. he's like, I can do better work here, so I'll stay. You guys go. At that point, I can thought, oh, you may have just sealed your own fate here. Um, you may have kind of. Because at that, that I, I don't think we knew that Thorn knew it was him. Um, and then it, it gets revealed that Thorn obviously realizes who it is. Uh, but yeah, I, I think. I think Callus is really good throughout this. And that that point there as well, we get to meet someone else from episode four. And we get to see Wedge. 
Mm-hmm. And that leads one of the guys. As soon as I said, oh, my name's Wedge Hunter. It's like, oh, I know all that is. <laughs> and there's also his friend Hobby, who's also, he's Hobby's in Empire Strikes Back. Right. Um, Hobby actually dies in Empire Strikes Back. So <laughs> Wedge doesn't. Wedge is alive in Rise of Skywalker. But we don't Hob- get to see Porkins, though, do we? <laughs> Porkins is in a uh, a comic, uh, The Age of <laughs> Republic Special, I think it is, which is three short stories. And one of them is about, I think it's Porkins and one of the other ones whose name escapes me. And I think they meet Yoda. Right. They crash on Dagobah or something like that. <laughs> I, I may be crossing wires here, but I, I remember there is a short story about um, about uh, Porkins. I remember seeing him in comic form and I was like, what? Is Porkins the one who's like, stay on target? Stay on target? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's the he's yeah. the overweight one that they call Porkins. <laughs> yeah. Just a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, and then blows up. Um, but yeah, Wedge obviously appears in this and I love Wedge. Uh, you know, he's, he's a fantastic character. I, I really, really enjoy him. In Legends, he's got a lot to him um, with Rogue Squadron and stuff. But yeah, I loved seeing Wedge and Hobby. Um, and so Dave, with Callus, what did you think of anything else to add? Then we'll, we'll let that lead into the kind of last episode. Yeah, I, I feel... I. I'm willing him to come over to the the rebels, you know. Ever since that episode, you know, and I don't know—is it him that appears in Return of the Jedi? Because he's got a real look of one of the guys who who shows up in Return of the Jedi. I'm I'm not sure if he does appear later. Been, I don't think he's been confirmed. It's something, it's something to do with the mutton chops. He he reminds me of someone. I I can't quite put my finger on it, but um. No, I, I thought it was kind of ill-advised. So when he decides to stay with the Empire, you're sort of thinking, oh, you've seen Thrawn and, and you know... Because I, I, I've watched it once, but I don't remember everything that happens. And so I, I'm kind of thinking, oh, I, I would just go, mate. And he's like, no, no. He, he not only kind of wavers on that middle line, so he's, he's like, okay, I'm going over to the side of the Rebels, but... He's really going to put himself in danger now because it's very, very clear. He's interacted with Ezra and everything, and and I, I just thought it was it was ill fated. Um, but I thought the the fight sequence between him and Thrawn was pretty good. I mean, they were both pretty handy, mm. you know, which you you would expect. And and I guess a lot of the time we see the Empire, you know, they. It's strength in numbers for them, isn't it? You know, but the stormtroopers are, are essentially shit. They <laughs> they can't hit anything. Whereas you know these guys uh, look like they've had the proper military training and a proper handy light. So um, yeah, I, th- I think I, I do like Callus, and I, like I say, I was willing him over to the to the side of the rebels, and just a bit gutted for him that he got trapped at the end there. Oh. oh couple of episodes from the end Mm -hmm. yeah totally um so we'll let this lead in because i think there's a little bit about Hera and cham syndula and i don't mind cham i've never loved him as a character i think he's all right but i love seeing a hero's calicori and thrawn you know his his love of art or enemy art that was from his days in legends that was like one of his defining features it's one of the reasons he's meant to be such a good strategist because he can see things in uh, artwork and whatnot that others can't really see and they explore that in the books as well um yeah so it's, it's a really interesting part that's been one of the main elements of his character for since his conception so I, lo- I love seeing Thrawn. And after reading, I initially was resistant to reading the books with Thrawn. I was a bit, 
you know, I was like, I know his story, you know, I've seen it in Rebels. So knowing how he rose up in the Empire, and then I read the comic adaptation, I wasn't a fan. And so it wasn't really fast, but the books are really, really good. And I won't spoil it, but there's a, there's a battle in the third uh, book. And it's one of my favorite written battles ever. And it's just, it's so well done. And I just, I really love it. And it's involving Thrawn. And um, I've mentioned it in my Thrawn Treason recording. So that'll be on my Patreon. Uh, so people can check that out. If they do want it spoiled for them, I may end up releasing them on the main feed. We'll, we shall see. But this finale, um, it's called Zero Hour. And it's about Thrawn outmaneuvering the rebels at basically every turn. And the only real saving grace kind of was, as we said, is the the imperial officer who was just too egotistical and wanted the kill in air quotes um and then commander sato you know sacrificing himself to be able to um make an opening for ezra and things obviously mandalorians agreeing to help as well but thrawn also being defeated or bested in some ways by the bendu so again as i think math said earlier thrawn can't really be beaten in normal terms because he's just calculated everything and it's a lot of what it's one of the things that is just a given with show with shows or franchises like Star Wars, which is just the good guys, the rebels, they fluke so much. Like so much of their stuff is fluke. And really in Star Wars you go, it's the force, and I've used that defense as well. It's technically the force doing things. But you get to like basically all of the original trilogy, and it's all just how you manage to get away with this is like a hair's breadth from utter annihilation. And in Rebels, it's that over and over again. And with Thrawn, you're just like, if the Bendu wasn't there, and if your your empire, the failing of anyone else, wasn't there, you would have wiped out this rebellion. And then that would have had repercussions in the original trilogy, and Rogue One, and other things like that. So it's just, it's mad. So, Math, what did you think of this finale, and any sort of other thoughts about this uh, series uh, as we start to wrap up? Um, I have a slight issue. Yeah. Um, and this happens all the time in Star Wars. Um, we've seen it many times. These big star destroyers come and they're the blockade to stop. And then they put the, the rebel base and they shoot the rebel base, things like that. And the rebel fleet comes up to kind of challenge them. And Ezra's plan is to get through. Why not? Because you've got quite a fast spaceship. Just go to the other side of the planet and go that way. You know, why not like, go around the planet somewhere else and come off <laughs> I know in space somewhere I, else? Yeah, you know. I, I think the indication is that if you were on the other side, they would be able to either see or detect you, or I think it might... And this is me. I agree with you. It's a very good point, and I've thought it quite a lot. Um, I think it could be partly the hyperspace lanes in a degree. is like, if this planet is, like, almost the corner of a main sector, and it's just, like, down here, in this this part here, almost in this corner, and everything around here is just unknown regions, outer rim rubbish that no one wants to go to, and anything of interest is over here. If you've put all your star destroyers on a line, it means you can't go to hyperspace through there. Mm-hmm. I think. Now I know that the the main star destroyer they destroyed, they've got gravity wells, um, yeah. so they're the things that kind of stop hyperspace. Because means if anything goes around or past, if you did go on the other side of the planet and try and go across, they would kind of grab you and stop you. I, th- I think is the right. general, the loose air quote science of it. But linking off your idea, my question has always been, the planet's here, the Star Destroyers are like, you know, here. I'm always like, why don't you just fly dead straight down, full power, and kind of just, you know what I mean? Like, always dig a tunnel. I guess the mm. odds would be it'd take too long, but I've often thought those kind of curmudgeon thoughts yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that, uh, is it McGuffin kind of thing? Yeah. You know? it, it, it has to be that way. Um, but it, 
It is. It's one of those things where just just go about them. Just just buy a different way. But you know, it, I mean, again, we um, is it episode eight where um, the lady on there who she sacrifices she she hyperspaces into one of the yes last Jedi um, yeah yeah Holdo uh, Amelyn Holdo she yeah. That that came after Rebels, didn't it? Or did it? Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. that's set yeah, about thirty-five-ish so, years after that. Rebels. So, so, you know, again, I've seen that, and then I see, you know, when Sato sacrifice, it's like, you, and it will create the fact that two crew members, like, no, staying with you, sir. You know, the fact that he knew what he had to do, he had to go down with the ship, um, and the, which, I suppose, in a way, why didn't them two guys go? Look, you go. We'll stay here, you know, off your pop, mate. But obviously, that didn't happen. But it's that big sacrifice so that Ezra could make it mm-hmm. um, to go off and do what he did, and then he comes back with Sabine. Again, I don't, I thought, had thought that could happen, but I don't think he quite expected it would be the Mandalores. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, d- I did like the fact that, you know, we had this big sacrifice, uh, which, again, it's another trope of Star Wars. You have to have a big sacrifice for something to happen. Um, but, again, you know, he then forces them back down to planet and then falls like, ground troops, in we go. And, and again, the, another another thing that there's a problem with, we've seen this so many times. Take um, James Bond. Ah, so Mr. Bond, I will tell you my plan. And then I will go away, you will escape and then beat me. Thorn has the beating of him. He's shooting the shields. He's the shields are almost giving in. Stop. Why? Why not just finish them off? Finish the rebels. Finish off and that. And then you can go off and, you know, get commanders and all this and other. And he chooses not to. And again, it's narrative. This is what they have to do so that they can tell the story. But it's just frustrating the fact that you had the beating of them. But I think this is where Thorne's little link in his his armour is the fact that he's too overconfident in things. So he then wants to go down with the ground troops to take them out to kind of, you know, finish you all off. And then obviously it doesn't go to plan for him. Uh, he's there was no way he knew about Bendo and that um, and I knew something was going to happen with him and that I didn't expect this massive storm of just taking everything out and it was just it was amazing it was great to kind of see that but um, again Thorn that's where he messed up because he was too overconfident mm-hmm. yeah I agree and Dave what do you think of this finale I mean I, I personally I still think Twilight of the Apprentice is the the best finale. Uh, even though I love, we won't say anything about it, but I love the finale of Series Four as well. But I think Twilight of the Apprentice is kind of unbeatable. What do you think of this in your bingey haze? No, I thought this was good, and as Matt said earlier, you know, having Tom Baker there just gives it this kind of gravitas. But I don't know. I feel like the character would have been better served if it was Brian Blessed. <laughs> just the the shape of the character is larger than life and everything but uh no i I said earlier about when 
they're kind of running away and the storm's there and it's like Conan Jarrus, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I thought it was your friend. Um so I thought it was good. I, I thought I completely get what you're saying. I, I agree with you that there's just this plot armor for the heroes, isn't there? There's no real rhyme or reason. He just went to piss off this force being and it just ended up going their way but there was no real tactic there was no cleverness you know i like it when there's a cleverness to it you're like oh i you know that's why that happened and even if there is a one in 100 chance of it happening you know you you can see how it was put together whether whereas this was just like a, a complete hail mary and there is no conceivable way that they could have beaten Thrawn, you know, mm-hmm. other than this just freak event that could have gone anyway. I mean, Thrawn, I, I was thinking about it as we were talking there. He's basically, have you two seen Inglorious Bastards? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He is Christopher Waltz, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That. yeah. He, he is just, he's having these polite conversations with you. And all the while he's just, plucking these data points out and he's just kind of getting them to validate what he already kind of knows, but you don't know that he knows. And he's Mm -hmm. just kind of toying with you almost like a cat with a mouse. And I I think that, I I mean, that Christopher Waltz character is one of the best villains in, in film as far as I'm concerned. And, and, you know, that's what I love about Thrawn as well. I I do think if they do him right in live action, they they can make him probably not as intimidating as a a Nazi officer, SS officer at that. Um, But, you know, they they could make him pretty intimidating. So, yeah, I I think you can't touch the end of season two, Um, but you get to the end of this one. Again, it feels a little bit cheap, but it does have me wanting to go on to the next season now. Which is obviously a bit shorter. And for me personally, and again, I won't say anything that happens in Series 4, but I think for me, I think this series probably has a little bit more in it. But I think that, as we've said, that Series 2, the last few episodes especially, are so unbelievably good. Um, And I'm such a sucker for Ahsoka. I think for me, Series 4 is probably the best all-round series. But I think series two is probably my favorite. And then series three and one. I think one's definitely the worst. But I think four is just every other episode. It's just a top tier. Um, So I'm very excited to delve into series four. So we've tackled Thrawn. We've tackled Hondo. um, The Holocron part. So the way this kind of started, ironically, we'll go back and then we'll kind of finish off. Um, What did anyone think of the Holocrons, the two connecting together? I love that. And I love anything force connected and force sensitive and weird. So what do you think of that? And then if you've got any other final thoughts we haven't touched yet, Uh, Dave, I'll come to you first. The thing, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've not really seen a great deal of the Holocrons in live action. And I guess barely any, if I think in Mandalorian, some of the, is there some in Mandalorian? Does he even have one? I, I can't think of of anything, and so no. in some respects, and I, I think you're probably the opposite. You you like how it expands the the, especially when it's to do with the force, and it you know the, there's some parts which get really weird and wacky in Clone Wars, aren't there? Yeah. But for me, I'd sooner I like the minimalist approach 
to the force. And I like the fact that it's almost debatable. Was it the force or was it just, you know, the was it luck? Was it the way it kind of, you know, being a bit of a hand solo cynic? I, I, I think, but when it's like this, it creates this almost religious other layer on top of it as well. Like uh, again with Bendu, I, I'm not sure I love the idea that you've got this thing, you know, it's connected to the force and is it there? Is it not there? Is it vision? Is it, is he real? Um, so yeah, I, I, the holocrons, I, I think on balance, I, I like them for the story, but I, I just don't, because they haven't been in live action yet. I guess I, I guess I'm only just discovering this now. I think I prefer things like that, like law, mm-hmm. to be laid down in the in the movies and yeah. the live action, and then the animated stuff to to explore that universe outside. Mm-hmm. I, I'm less. I mean, it's going to be. I, I'm going to contradict myself pretty soon because there's so much that's been created in Rebels and Clone Wars that appears in live action later, but. But the holocrons feels like more. It's not like just creating a, a a different character. It's not creating this event that happened that could be referred to later. It's properly expanding out this thing called the Force, and and so uh, yeah, um, I, I'd have to say that that's probably one of the negative things. I don't love it. Which is completely fair, and I'll say I just had a little gander, and um, holocrons have been in live action. Um, they've been, but not center. Their background stuff. So they're in Solo, a Star Wars story, and Dryden Voss is like Vault when there's loads of crazy Force stuff uh, towards the end there, and then in Andor in uh, Luthen Rail's shop, there's like um, Jedi holocrons, and I think Sith holocrons in the background. So they are technically mm. live action, but you're dead right. Rebels. I mean, Clone Wars has a bit of holocron stuff in it. Um, there's like an episode or two holocron heist uh, and there's a couple more but rebels this season of rebels has probably explored holocrons more in the canon than almost anything else you get them a little bit in jedi fallen order but not a huge amount um but math thoughts on holocrons and then your final thoughts on season three um one thing i'll go back to what dave said about asking bendo um and kind of said oh, look you know come and help us I think Kim kind of thought this is a force entity. So if we have any chance of surviving this, and this is a point where Kim is now feeling he's part of the force again, go and ask the force, go and call it out and tell it that it needs to stand up and do something. It needs to because when we meet Bendu, he's very much there's a Sith and the Jedi holocron. And when you bring them together, they do a certain thing. So kind of give you this insight. So He's kind of going down both lines to a certain degree, Bendu does. Um, I'm aware of the Holocons from playing Fallen Order. Um, I think in Andor, I don't think there may have been a Holocon there, but I think what you're thinking of is there is the um, like the tablets of all the writing on the background in Luke Vermeil's shop. It's um, in, in the back room of his shop. There's some shelves oh, right. in the background. 
and there's some it's, barely, it's not even front and center it's literally the, right. the background a couple of triangles and a couple of cubes right. vaguely lit up so it's it's not even front it's not even in the main part of a shop it's actually right in the very back it's only in like it's the junk that you don't know what it actually is potentially. which which to be fair is fair because the only way that Ezra's able to is to focus in on the force to be able to open it I feel so like Luther it, would know what it is but yeah you can't open it without the force yeah yeah so it's, it's just a, a fancy paper uh, I I think again they're there to kind of push this story forward, um, and to kind of have that thing with Maul and Kenobi at the end of it all. So, it, although they were nice to have it there, I don't think I mean they're important for Maul mm-hmm. and for us to get that power, but I don't think it was important as such to this season. That's fair. So what do you think of this season as a whole? How has it compared for you to the other two seasons you've watched so far? I, I think I could take in point what you say about end of season two, the whole thing with Maul, Vader, Ahsoka. Ahsoka were brilliant. I, you know, my first real uh, being with Ahsoka was season two. Um, but I actually preferred season three. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending, it is a bit kind of, Quick and over with. Uh, I think the ending of season two is better, uh, but I think that the whole season three is a better thing. We we get to go to Dathomir, Dathomir, right? yep. Dathomir, uh, with the are they the Night Sisters than ghosts? Is that kind of where the Night Sisters are meant to be from? Yeah, yeah. And the Night Sisters were massacred, um, so I, that's their the, spirits. I love that. I love the fact that Kanan get Kanan get possessed, and then Ezra kind of ends up having to get him out, and then Sabine gets possessed, and then Ezra's like, you know, and she, she's not going back in there. Well, yeah, of course I am. Um, but I, I like to kind of see that part. Uh, on a whole, I've really enjoyed this. There's been lots of little little things in between, which I think has helped the story. It's flushed it out more. It's to me. It's expanding this universe, which I know there's so I know there's the comics and everything else and that, but it's expanding the universe so much more uh, to the point that uh, this year from birthday I'm getting uh, Marvel Unlimited, uh, so there's going to be loads of Star Wars that I can read once I get that um, and that. But I, I've I've really enjoyed this season, and I, as I say, I think I'm going to probably be watching season four. Was figured off the call because <laughs> I want to know. I mean, I have predictions. Um, I've written them down, and I'm just I'm worried uh, for what's going to come um, because obviously it's it's Star Wars. I, I kind of think I know where they're going to go. Um, what, but, what are your predictions? Then me and Dave can give our thoughts and then wrap up. Uh, I, I hope we, we won't of... give our thoughts too much to clarify. We'll, we'll just for most of them, we'll probably say move on to clarify before I say before you ask these questions. I'm going to say, okay, maybe, and that's probably going to be my response for almost all of them, just to clarify. So, all right, um, I'm aware that we're going to go back to Mandalore because um, obviously season four started because it kind of kicks straight over when you finish season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did see it said something about Mandalore. So. I hope they're going to explore a bit more of Clan Ren and House Bizzler with maybe taking back and trying to kind of bring House Bizzler back to kind of in charge and rule. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, now, 
I know Zeb's going to be fine because I've seen him in Andor. And that's a bit of a spoiler there. Uh, I have a question because obviously at this it's point, all Mandalorian, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mandalorian. Sorry. Um, the we know that Luke is about Ezra's age at this point, mm-hmm. and and but Ezra and Kanan are never mentioned throughout Star Wars, apart from in here, as far as I'm aware. So what happens now? This is where I'm worried because I, I, I feel. I don't feel it'll be Ezra. I feel that Kanan is going to become a boss ghost because Star Wars likes to do boss ghosts. I'm watching both your faces. No, you've both got really good poker faces. <laughs> um, well, you know, we can't reveal anything at all. I, I just I just feel that one of them is going to make a sacrifice. And if it's going to be one of them, it has to be, you know, the mentor. It has to be Kanan. He's going to probably sacrifice himself from everybody else, which is going to leave a massive hole. Now, where we end up being with Ezra at the end of all this, because I feel it has to explain what happens, because he's never mentioned in Star Wars other than here at the back, as as far as I'm aware. So does something major happen to Ezra as well? Does, Does he end up... You know, biting the bullet, so to speak. I don't, I don't know, but uh, I do feel we're definitely going to get another force ghost, um, and that's so that it will be fitting, and it will probably give whichever character a good ending. But it will also leave me kind of feeling a little bit hollow because I've, I don't know, it, it's a weird one. Throughout all of Star Wars, you know. It, you like Luke, but he's a bit of a dick. Uh, Megan calls him Wangy. Yeah, well, Wangy yeah, little bitch. He is. I mean, he's got all this power and all this, but it just, I think, as we've seen him in live action. I mean, you know, when we see Luke kind of take on all the army, and he's like, you know, just just himself off. Obviously, he's a Force ghost, and then he goes into being with the Force as well. I liked him there more than when he was a young kid. Um, but, yeah, I, I do feel that that's going to happen because it's Star Wars, you know, they have to do something along that line. Um, what that leaves with her, because, again, I don't think she's mentioned in in any other other than here, is it? It's just not mentioned in, in episode four, obviously, and that this is well before this. She's not mentioned in Rogue One, I don't think. I'd have to go back and watch it, but I don't think she appears there anyway, does she? Look at the faces. They're just both looking at her. I can't, I can't reveal anything about season four because it takes away the stakes, and there are some. That's yeah. that's all you get. And, and that's the thing. that That's where it, it now... I know you say it ties up with a nice little pull. I can't see him killing everybody off. It just... It would not be a good ending, I don't think. I don't think it would work. what for, but, you know. Well, yeah, I suppose maybe if it's a big sacrifice. I mean, like... it, Rogue One, literally, that's how Rogue One finishes. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Well, so. <laughs> fair point. I mean, you know, it, yeah, I suppose it could be one of those things. Um, it could be like, is it Hudson and Vanquist in uh, Aliens where they um, decide to pull the grenade and 
take out a lot of aliens so everyone can get away. So may, maybe that would be a way to kind of end these guys up and kind of, you know, tie it all up so that we don't have this thing of, well, where were they in um, in, in New Hope and that? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I, I can see me binge-watching <laughs> over the next couple of days, um, all the season. I'll, I'll be saying, right, can we record next Monday? Yeah, well, yeah, please. I mean, when you get, there'll, there'll be certain episodes you'll hit and when you hit them, you'll have to message us and tell us yeah. when you get to certain beats. Um, so, Dave, final thoughts on season three. Yeah, so I feel like after the highs of the end of season two, it's it's a little bit of a come down and we haven't really explored actually how how much Ezra flirts with the dark side. Mm-hmm. I had kind of forgotten that and, and just there's a, quite a few times when you're thinking uh, he's kind of going the way of Anakin Skywalker. Especially yeah. at the start when yeah. Kanan was kind of quite distant and things. Exactly. I mean, Kanan had kind of retreated, you know, he's kind of recovering from losing his sight and stuff. So it took me a bit by surprise again to go back because you you kind of feel you forget i mean there's so much that they pack into a season but um i do think there was quite a few filler episodes as well even though like say one of my favorites was the one with ap5 and i (laughs) I love that filler episode but yeah i think they move things along quite a bit as well and especially if you go back to the start of the season where they started like say canaan's quite distant um Ezra looks like he's going to the dark side but by the end well probably about midway through the season you know he's he's kind of got over that really and then all the stuff we're introducing Thrawn and obviously we lost Bendu so yeah there, there is quite a lot that happened and I'm just kind of I, I was trying to keep my best poker face on there because I I mean I remember the major beats but I'm sure there's a lot of details that uh, I'll have forgotten as well. So I'm itching to get into season four now. Season four on the rewatch is, I'd say, as good as the as the first watch. It's a very, very good season. And I'm so glad that we've got this far. And Math, I'm so glad you've been enjoying it. And we'll have to see what you thought. Because most people, when they finish Rebels, I find, they want to do two things immediately. And one of them is watch the original trilogy. And the other thing is watch the Clone Wars. That's normally, it's normally how it goes. Um, I, I almost we almost watched Clone Wars the movie the other day, mm. um, and that <laughs> when you've seen it, you'll realise why I made you watch Rebels first and I, why the Clone Wars movie well, isn't my ideal first introduction to people for animation. When Dave mentioned that, that you know, my little lad's been poorly, so we was he was sat on the couch for me, and Dave says, "Oh, watch the Clone Wars with it." So I put the trailer on, and it's like, "Josh, do you want to watch this?" I watched the trailer, I turned back and he'd fallen asleep on couch. I thought, well, I guess not. I will warn as well, the Clone Wars movie has the worst animation of like any Clone Wars project, or any Star Wars project. It was Clone Wars, and then the, the series is a smidge better, and then two series on, then it gets quite a bit better around series three, and then series six, it jumps up a smidge, and then series seven, it jumps up a huge amount because series seven was released after Star Wars Rebels. So when you go back as well, to Clone Wars, especially the movie, the animation, like this animation takes a little bit to get used to, but you get into it really quickly. The Clone Wars movie is a bit rougher. It's like a video game cinematic, but from the early 2000s. There is, I mean, to be fair, there's still a lot of season three that we've not even, it's like the Warhead droid. Um, mm. Yeah, I, that I, weird I, I really, droid thing is mental. I really enjoyed that. There's like, 
AP5 and, you know, they talk about it and then it's like, watch out for these joints. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> is that where the head lifts up and it's quite freaky, yeah. isn't it? Very clever how they kind of sent it back to the ship. Um, same as um, Sato's nephew, the Iron Squadron. Yep. Um, I did like the fact they took out a cruiser. Well, it wasn't a cruiser. It was um, just one of a small fleet, but they took it out with some cargo. Um, so, it, again, little things in the season where just the filler ones, but I think they worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to seeing Clone Wars. There's a lot of filler in that. Um, <laughs> friends, we will wrap up here. So, um, series three is absolutely brilliant series. Um, I think I lean more with math. I think the series as a whole is better, but yeah, I think the finale is probably one of the weakest parts. I, my, one of my favorites was the, the trials of um, the Darksaber to kind of, it wasn't quite a part one and part two, but it was very definitely connected, those Mandalore episodes and the very early stuff with the, the Force and the Holocrons and stuff. But yeah, Twin Suns is absolutely amazing. Secret Cargo I did enjoy and obviously the AP5 stuff. It's all, it's all brilliant. So... We move on to series four. We're going to get that recorded and hopefully released before uh, Ahsoka comes out. So Ahsoka comes out, I believe, uh, in the road to Ahsoka. I think it's August 23rd, I believe, is when it comes out. Um, So from this point, we've got about a month and a half. So we'll have to get right on that. Probably me, because you guys will probably blitz through it first. But friends, where can people find you? So Math, you're you're the quickest. So where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's Math. UK seventy eight, uh, that that's kind of I I pop up on the comedy motion every now and again, mm-hmm. um, on little bits and bobs. I hopefully get to go on one of the Ahsoka shows, um, and that because obviously Mag has just brought this uh, the love of Star Wars back for me, so it's fantastic. I'm but yeah, it, you'll see me every now and again pop up on the comedy motion. Uh, once you're in, you can't get rid of you. Yep, that's correct. That's correct. So then, Dave, the the Podfather, the one who created Comics in Motion, along with uh, Chris, you've got you've always got a lot going on. A lot of it is watching reality TV as well, which is quite entertaining. Mostly, but, yeah. yeah. Tell us what you've been up to. <laughs> what things are going on? Obviously, VHS Strikes Back, Reality Cast, all that jazz. Tell us, and I'll put it in the description. Yeah, well, the first thing is uh, it's the first pod I've done, or probably not the first, but the first when I actually remembered it. So I'm actually on threads now. Mm, so okay. day one of threads opening up. So I uh, signed up to that so you can get me at Dave Horrocks. Uh, Twitter, if anyone's still on that, you can get me at Seattle Dojos. Um, Chris and Dave's reality TV cast. So we are covering Love Island UK season 10. That is six. Well, actually, it's seven days out of seven, uh, but we skipped the Saturday episode. And um, Was that so the compromise? Because when we spoke to you yeah. last time, you said you were probably going to try and duck out of it. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we're recording like once every couple of days or something, so not daily because that'd just be horrendous. So we're about five weeks through eight at the moment on that. And it is uh, as ridiculous as always, but it, it, is, it is good fun, to be fair. Yeah. There's a degree of producer manipulation to get people to do what they want. You, you can kind of tell, you see the warning signs and stuff, uh, or, the, or the cues and whatever, but it is an entertaining season. Megan's been watching it a bit. She hasn't watched any Love Island in years, and she's just she puts it on and does other stuff around the house, so I've caught parts of it. I caught the episode where all the girls had to make out with all the guys, and the guys had to like rate them. 
And I was like, this is oh, just, right, yeah, yeah. this is so clearly, like, I know that's the point of the show, but so much drama because it's like the guy going, oh yeah, I think she was the, the best kiss of the best of all. And he's thinking it was the girl he kind of was yeah. with and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, God, I could, I'm going on a show being forced to make out of loads of women while there's this drama of relationships <laughs> involved and embroiled with it. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's what Chris and I love is, is yeah. the drama and, like people find it odd for us to be into this stuff, but honestly, I I like the the observing humans. I mean, it, it's ultimately a lot of them are, are social media influencers, so they're there to build up their Instagram following and whatever. So it's not like the old days when Big Brother first came out, and you know, it's a proper like social experiment. So it is different, but you do get to see people interacting and in these awkward situations that you would just not get outside. And so the thing I always find fascinating is when you watch two people and they'll have a conversation and then they'll go away or maybe, maybe they'll make out or, or express feelings one way or the other. And then they'll both go off and they'll both discuss it with different parties and relay it completely differently and not necessarily, uh, lying blatantly. So they're still talking about the facts, but the words that they choose to use just either soften or harden it. And it, and it is, is, uh, the way humans interact and the politics to it, that's honestly, I find it fascinating. And so uh, when it all kicks off and, and then that is, uh, that those are generally the best bits. So you can get me there. And people feel that because it's your most popular podcast of comics and motion. VHS oh, it is. Back. I mean, the CD uh, reality cast is high above, <laughs> not that we focus on the numbers, but it is. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just bizarre <laughs> because we put probably the least amount of effort into that one, apart from the watching and the recording, but there's no, there's no research you just watch it and then you you give your opinion on it but um i think the name is the name of it's brilliant the fact that it's cd cd (laughs) (laughs) but that was inadvertent yeah i would find it more interesting to watch if you had the the dad bods on there instead of just all these six pack adonises and you just you just look at them and you think yeah well that that is a different thing because there are definitely uh, the guys who are on there definitely don't get that naturally. So I think this season they've scaled that back a little bit, actually. And and that's not just me being jealous. You you can tell when when people have been taking a few extra vitamins, um, and, and so and and the the girls as well will augment themselves in in various ways. They've all had the lips done, the eyes done, the botox and whatever but uh so there is that but like I say the, there's a bit less from the guys this time not the dad bods but you know people who aren't absolutely massive and got the six packs and everything there are a few of those but fewer than more normal looking people but yeah um apart from that as well uh you can get us on the vhs strikes back this week it depends when this releases but this week when we're recording, we've just released New York Ninja, which is an amazing project. So it was filmed in 1984. The footage was found, and then they digitally remastered it and everything and released it in 2021. Utterly horrendous martial arts movie, but it is a brilliant, brilliant watch. Fantastic. Yeah, I think this episode's going to release uh, in a week or two. 
I think. Uh, I have to decide whether or not I'm going to cheat and put it on Genuine Chit Chat instead of another episode uh, and save myself a week of recording, or if I'm going to not. So it's going to loosely depend on that. <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of see. It just depends. I've got a couple of prospective guests. And so this that'll be the hint of if certain guests I want will have uh, responded to me in time or not, whether or not this goes <laughs> on in the normal feed. Um, but I'll include links to all of that jazz in the description. You can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel where a video version of this conversation would be. I should really start saying that at the start rather than at the end. I keep forgetting to. It's terrible. Um, but on YouTube, there's all my Star Wars uh, comics and canon episodes, which you never have to have read a single Star Wars comic in your entire life to enjoy. Uh, you literally never have to have read any Star Wars. You just have to have probably seen the 11 films, and that's it. And um, enjoy the show. It's a great way to expand your knowledge of the Star Wars canon. And as Dave has called it it's like story time with mike i think dave and tony coined that so uh yeah and i've done star wars uh book reviews on there i do comic reviews as well i've um done loads of loads of stuff all the high republic stuff that's out at the moment apart from like two things i've tackled so far so find all that stuff there you can find me on genuine chat chat as well I have interviews with people my 200th episode recently i took in listener questions which was good fun uh and then i've got more episodes coming out the, the funny enough episode 200 201 and 202 are all in-person recordings even though I haven't done an in-person recording in maybe over a year. It's it's really odd that just three in a row happen to be that. So exciting stuff there. But friends, thank you so much for listening. As always, all details are going to be in the description. Uh, we'll be recording series four for this in only a few weeks' time. And then keep an eye out for the Ahsoka discussion shows that we will be doing on the Feed of Comics of Motion and also on my YouTube channel as well. I'll be airing those too. Going to get some people. Probably Dave and Maff will be on there at some point as well. Um, but we shall see about all the other guests that we're going to get. But friends, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we'll speak to you very soon with the final episode of Rebels Reviewed. And as always, may the force be with you.